Bookworms Horror Podcast is sponsored by Creepy Crate. Creepy Crate is a horror and true crime subscription box filled with spooky collectibles, macabre accessories, and terrifying goodies. Each bi-monthly box is filled with over $85 of terror and includes at least one horror or true crime book. This box delivers dread to your doorstep for just $39.99 with free shipping. Go to creepycrate.store to subscribe. Use the code bookworm5 at checkout to get $5 off your subscription. That's bookworm5 for $5 off your subscription. And now to the show. Welcome to Bookworm's Horror, the podcast that offers you tips on writing, especially in the horror genre. My name is James Zipliti. I am the host of the Real Demons of Pop Culture podcast. This week's episode is all about Night of the Living Dead and Zombies. If you haven't yet picked up Bookworm's Horror Zine, you can get it in the Etsy link in the show notes. There are only a very little amount of issue one, the premiere issue left at a discount at $5 with free shipping. But issue two is still available, so go to the show notes, check it out. In this week's episode, Regina and I discuss finding ideas for your horror fiction. Regina is a Wadi Award winner for Best Horror Novel, as well as multiple screenwriting awards, including a Webby honoree. Regina is also the contributing editor of the best-selling Local Haunts, a horror tube anthology. Find Regina and her alter ego, Batilda, at her booktube channel, Regina's Haunted Library, and on her blog, rstclair.com. Regina and myself are the editors of the Bookworms Horror Zine, and since we're seeking great horror fiction for bookworms, we created this weekly podcast to offer writers quick tips on writing for the genre. Find all our links in the show notes. Now let's jump into my conversation with Regina as she speaks with me from her haunted library. So this week we're going to talk about finding ideas for your story, specifically horror-related, not just any ideas. And uh, do you have a place you go for, Regina, for your uh, ideas? Um, not specifically. I think most of my ideas, I think, generate from within, but that that's also filtered through things that I'm interested in. So if I like, for example, my new book's coming out uh, soon, Carney. Mm-hmm. I use the location of Burlington Island, which is a real place. Oh, wait, is it set in that time period too? Well, it's some of it is, and then it's like a flashback, but it's okay. it's about a haunted carnival, like the, the bones of an old carnival. Let's pause mm-hmm. and um, explain to our listeners what Burlington Island is, if they don't know, because they're not from this area. Burlington Island is, I think it's a thousand acre island between Bristol, Pennsylvania and Burlington, New Jersey. It actually belongs to the state of New Jersey. And it, it used, I mean, it has a long history going back to the early settlements and, but it was a pretty well-established amusement park in like around the turn of the century into I think the 1930s and 
people used to ferry across and it, it was they had a huge roller coaster. Yeah, it was like a Coney Island. Yes, of, it was uh, like a Coney Island. Like it was huge. And yeah. It burned down and I, I actually in the thirties and then or in the twenties they tried to rebuild it and then it kind of failed. But I I used that fire and that destruction as a plot point in my book. So so Burlington Island's cool. It, right now it is it's been empty. There were some houses that still uh, existed on it. Like people lived there, I think, through the 1970s. Mm. And now it's just an open space that's currently being cleaned up. We have uh, bald eagles nesting over there. I think the, I, the state of New Jersey tried to turn it into a trash dump, which would have been horrible. That would have been awful. So hopefully that that's not going to happen. But. So that so that's where one idea came from. Yeah, and so that if you want to look it up, it's like at at early after all the fire and stuff, there were like a, it was an abandoned amusement park, and you can see photos of people who trekked over mm -hmm. there and took pictures of all the remnants of the uh, amusement park. So that's really exciting. That yeah, and there's still some skeleton of some mm -hmm. uh, amusements over there. I've not yeah. been there yet. I'm. I know a couple people here in town with boats, so I'm going to see if I can bribe them to take me over there someday. There's also yeah, a so Friends of Burlington Island organization that I probably should get involved in. That goes <laughs> that goes over and cleans it up. So I, I would do that, you know. Yeah, and you know, it seems that you do take things from the surrounding area. Yes. I mean, Dark mm -hmm. Hollow is Dark Hollow Road. Yeah. Um, so, like, you're inspired a lot by where you grew up and where you live. Yes, I, I, I definitely. I mean, I think you should write when they say, like, write what you know. Yeah. I, I think that can be interpreted different ways. But if you really know an area well, like, even when I wrote my book about fashion, fashion victims, I, it was a lot about New York. And I lived in New York for 10 years in Manhattan. Right. So I knew the streets, but I, I pulled up the maps and, and made sure that I was talking about, you know, the, the right street and there was that restaurant there and that kind of thing. Like, um, that's something I aim for. I'm just trying to think of any other ideas that kind of came out of, uh, well, some people know. look in newspapers. Mm -hmm. Do you look in like, uh, read articles and get inspired for writing a story that way? Well, I'm ashamed to admit it, but I do read the daily mail. Every morning, <laughs> actually, I'm, there's I all kinds of crazy that. stories. Because you send me the crazy stuff, I and do. then I'll Sorry do a TikTok. And that was the one TikTok you sent me, and it went crazy. It was um, oh yeah, oh, was it the vampire one you sent me? Oh, when they found the oh the vampire, yeah, yeah, yeah. The there was a new one that just came up. They found another a child vampire in the same area, mm. and the other one was a woman. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that, um, I appreciate you read that. Well, that's like, that's a crazy tabloid and they have a lot of, of course, celebrity stuff and like all that, but it also comes up with those odd, you know, some Egyptian mummy was found and, you know, this mm -hmm. kind of thing. And I love that kind of stuff. And so I, you know, definite ideas from, from that. I don't, I tend not to do too many like, real life murder kind of things. There's a lot of like true crime, like true crime. Uh, yes. No, no, I haven't really done. I, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts about the occult 
So uh, definite some ideas about that. I watched a really scary movie the other day. I don't know, James, have you seen this movie? It's a found footage film. It's about 10 years old. Uh, it's called Final Prayer. It, it's also called The Borderlands, and it's a British film. So American title. I have not seen it. It's, it's really good. It's really creepy if you like religious occult horror. And uh, that, that movie kind of made me do some research about ancient pagan rites and stuff like that. So I think if you're, if you're always curious and you're reading a lot, I just I found a book at a thrift store the other day about uh, King Tut's tomb. So I was reading that. So those ideas kind of come just from reading a lot and watching, uh, po- listen to podcasts, reading tabloids, you know, that kind of stuff. Is there anything you think is taboo? Because we're mm. talking about horror and and we can talk about getting ideas for just writing in general. But when you're talking about horror, you're looking for something that either is suspenseful or frightening, uh, possibly revolting. Do you think there are taboos that should be avoided? Or do you, th- I mean, I, I don't think things should be censored, but I'm just saying mm-hmm. personally, do you feel that way? Well, yes, I do. I mean, I don't, there was just, I don't know if you paid attention a couple of weeks ago, there was a big drama going on in the extreme horror community. I don't know if you heard about that. I haven't. I, I don't want to name any names because it, it concerned a booktuber and an author. And it, it opened up a discussion about extreme horror, which is uh, it's not something that I enjoy. Can we define what that genre is? I, I mean, I would say it is... All like the taboos that you were saying, just it it doesn't have any, it doesn't hold back anything. In fact, I think the uh, the author, one of the books that was brought up, was dealt with like child abuse, and I mean I don't want to read about that stuff, you know. Right. And apparently, he decided only to sell it on his Etsy site, which doesn't censor it, but that he couldn't sell it on Amazon. So there's. There are people, and it's, look, it's no judgment against the author or people who consume it, because I, I know people that I would trust with a lot, you know, who, who love extreme horror. And they're like good, decent people. So it's, it kind of got into that question, you know, about uh, what kind of mind would want to write this or what kind of mind would uh, consume this? It's not my bag. I'm not into it, but I've written some pretty extreme scenes. And what I would consider, and you know, I, there there are lines that I don't cross because I don't I don't anything with like children and animals doesn't really you know. <laughs> and I guess that's that's the line. But yeah, I, I uh I wouldn't so, I wouldn't do anything that was uh, what I consider like I do feel I do have a sense of like morality in my. Uh, horror there's there's a certain type and a lot of times this is extreme horror that's very nihilistic and right. like poppy z bright who I actually really like that, that author's work but even some of that i read that um not lost souls it was the one exquisite corpse mm-hmm. that was a that's about as extreme as i want to go and there are people that go a lot more extreme than that i guess so yeah it's a it's an interesting topic Yeah, because where would you draw the line from Stephen King, who talks about some things that 
maybe a childhood story that he puts in there that something happened. Mm -hmm. Is it is it the quality? Mm. Like if you're someone like James Joyce and we're writing extreme horror, do you think that if you can do it in a way that is artful, then it's okay as opposed to just writing Spot. things for the... <laughs> Yeah, I guess you can say. Well, that. I mean, I think anything's okay. Uh, it's it's just not something that, like, I don't believe in cens censorship. I mean, unless it's like a calling for some kind of violent, you know. I don't know. Yeah, we're not talking about like something where no, we're talking about fiction. People. Yeah. Um, no, I just some sometimes it's done artfully and very well. And and sometimes it's just really crap, but you know I feel like there's a uh, there's a real audience for that. Yeah, there is an audience for that, and but if I'm that's not what it. You're into <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're into that, and that's fine. I think it really comes down to: do you have character and story? Mm -hmm. Because if it's just violence for violence sake and there's really no character growth and everything it's you know you're now just bordering on just writing like you said smut well i think a lot of now i'm like i i haven't read that much so i'm not an expert but i think a lot of what would be considered extreme horror or given that label might just be that like what you were saying um it doesn't have I think it's written. Right. I think it's written very fast. It's not edited. It's just put out there, and people consume because they enjoy it for whatever reason. But I, yeah, I think any story, if you have really good characters, and a, a good story applies to any any form of literature uh, and good character development. Yeah. Just you know, but I think if something doesn't have any kind of now, other people could dis could disagree with me. Uh, any kind of moral arc at all and it's just a nihilistic and then this what happened and this happened and this happened and, and there's no struggle there's no human struggle for any kind of goodness that's a boring story to me i don't know if i would consider it boring i think if you're writing it well enough that you leave that question up to the reader mm. And this, you'd have to be very skilled. Yes. And, and po like Poppy C. Bright, that author's very skilled with that. So it's well, it's very well done. Because I am okay with reading something that you're like, at the end, you're like, huh. Yeah. And it gets you thinking, is that something, you know, like if you get that reader questioning, I think that's interesting. Um, and I'm, I'm all for like, sort of, I'd love to read science fiction where the aliens kick our butts and mm -hmm. there's no like because i find it silly when all these science fiction things where you know it's you know it's more like uh, america's gonna oh right yeah, day, yeah you know like come on they would kick our butts yeah no it doesn't i mean i don't think what i'm not saying that has to be, have a happy ending and that the hero's got to win at the end because I'll, i mean a lot of my books have ended on that that horror downer end or ending which I think that's part of the genre is the downer ending. Yeah, I think The Mist by Stephen King mm. has one of the most downer I endings, know. especially the movie. Actually, this movie, the way they did it, that I was telling you about the final prayer of Borderlands, that yeah. reminded me a lot of The Mist. 
And I don't know if I like the ending I, of The Mist. I remember I, being disappointed. I think I saw that movie for the first time with you at my studio. Oh, really? Yeah, I had never seen it. And I was like that. Oh, my gosh, that's how it ends. Yeah, I just didn't agree with the characters and their decisions because I felt like, no, nah, I wouldn't. I, I don't know. It just irritated me. And I had, I remember it was way back when I, I was doing the podcast way back, the original This Is Some mm -hmm. Scene, because uh, my friend at the time, Doug, and I, I did a Doug. whole email. Yeah, we did a whole email uh, thread because he loved it and I didn't. And we argued at that point. Um, but we're getting off topic. I'm trying to just thinking about getting ideas for horror. Right. Um, you know, and and I will say that there are no original thoughts. I mean, there are, you can make it your own, but I mean, there's nothing wrong with getting ideas in, inspired by like, let's say you love the book Carrie mm -hmm. and you want to do something about telekinesis, right? Like that's not stealing. No, it, you know, like I was just watching, I'm um, sorry, go ahead. Now, I was going to say, there's a great book called uh, Steal Like an Artist by mm -hmm. Austin Kleon. And it, it really does talk about, you know, like great artists steal. Sure. I was watching uh, another De Palma film. It was after Carrie, I think, was The Fury. Remember that one? Yeah. With Amy Irving. And that's about like, a, a, you know, it's different from Carrie, but it's about telekinesis and it's based on a book. And that was a popular topic that was exploring like esp and this kind of stuff in in the yeah. late 70s and you can always we can always go back and revisit some of that stuff i mean how many haunted house stories have, have there been yeah there's always been and, ways of doing it yeah you can always find something that might be run into the ground and huh? figure a way of making it no longer cliche yeah and I, it's i mean it's hard to do that but i think that's maybe this is another topic it's like uh genre expectation and subgenre expectation is important without being so done to death that everyone knows what's going to happen before it happens yeah some people advise think of a character and then think of sort of a situation a what if situation and taking that character and putting them in that what if situation but then make them so like a kindergarten teacher that is maybe at a sleepaway camp you know uh -huh. like and then you can say what if a kindergarten teacher took her kids to a sleepaway camp and had to protect them you know uh, and like these are ways of getting idea is just writing down all these ideas so jaws for example would be what if a police chief moves to an island and it's threatened by a shark that is killing people and he has to save them? You know, that's mm -hmm. all that story is. Right. You know, and then they expand on that. Right. And I, but, th I think that's also a great way to explore character is taking yeah. someone out of their element and, mm -hmm. and finding out who they really are versus just their role in society. Right. And you want to avoid, you don't have to, but what you had just said the ones you would be like, you know, ex-cop ends up in Iraq and has to fight his way back, <laughs> yeah. you know, like and, and save prisoners of war. Like, it's it's very cliche, and we know that story already. Yeah. So take somebody who's not like an ex-cop, somebody who has no skill in that, and put them in Iraq or something. Yeah, although I love Predator. 
love that movie. Yeah, but Predator. <laughs> so, I, I feel that was an original. It's an original love, monster for sure. Yeah, but I, I think it's a great. I love Predator. I can't yeah. say anything bad about <laughs> Predator. Uh, but I think it was unique enough. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? An original. It was, it was actually really cool. Like you get this new monster. Yeah. So you're taking that idea, but you're like, let's throw the idea that there is just a hunter who's from another planet coming to hunt us. Mm-hmm. Like that's, it's just a brilliant idea. Yeah. And that's always a scary monster is uh, the, like the Jaws monster. No, no, there's no moral compass. They just want to eat. And yeah. If you're if you're well, you know, in, in the way, you'll you'll get eaten. They compared terrorism with the movie Jaws hmm. by saying the reason why you fear terrorism is the same reason you fear going in the ocean. Is like you know they're out there, and you know that they can attack you, but you'll never see it coming, and so you think you're safe in the water, but yeah. there could be something out there that might get you. And that's kind of what terrorism is all about is this, it's not about actually the event, it's about the fear of the event, mm-hmm. right? And that's how we feel about going in the ocean. It's like, okay, like it was interesting because being up at Cape Cod last week. Did you swim? I didn't go in the ocean, but. Did you go in the pond? I didn't even, I was there. I, I saw had, the like, picture, see, I know, that was awesome. the video. Um, but it was interesting, not many people were in the water. Now, there have been a lot of sharks right around Cape Cod. Mm-hmm. And that's because apparently they're saving the seals now or something like that. So now they're overpopulated, like up there. And the sharks are like coming now because there's all the seal food. Yeah, that's so like when you met, when you change that, when, you, when humans mess with that ecosystem, sometimes it backfires. Yeah, and so now we have a lot of sharks I did meet a guy who actually worked on Jaws. We were in Woods Hall, and he built the cabanas on the beach. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was really cool. We were talking to him. Is the slapping but lady, did, is she still around? Or she's she, dead. Oh, she no. died. Yeah, I met her, but as Lee Ferrero. Did she but, slap you? No, so <laughs> that was her thing. She would slap right. you if you went up. And so the, I met her, and I said, can you slap me? And she's like, I stopped doing that, but I'm giving hugs now. So oh, I got a that's hug. nice. <laughs> I'd rather have been slapped. <laughs> That's funny. But, yeah, so I mean, I think you can find these ideas around you by looking at maybe what scares us in real life and how can we make that interesting. Yeah, or or hearing like um like I was just listening to a podcast this morning about uh it was like a a four chan thread about these towns that people wandered into that had no people, and like they weren't like it was almost like time slips. And I think that I mean Stephen King has certainly explored that. I think that's always a good idea, like the the time slip of stepping into beyond the veil, and that could be lots of different things. You know, wandering into the portal. It's been explored, but I I think that there's there's still fun things to explore about that. So the ideas, I think the ideas are everywhere. I think your advice on reading Mm -hmm. and watching is, I think you need to consume a lot of information 
mm-hmm. and then you need to be quiet for some time. Yeah, no, that's good advice. And let yeah. that kind of percolate. Yeah, because you and, don't want to just say, oh, I like that. Let me just copy that. No, you have to let it resonate within you. Yeah. And then your subconscious will do a lot of work on, and then it'll rise when you're in the shower. You'll all of a sudden be like, bing, there it is. Yeah. There's the idea. Yeah. And I think uh, just, I mean, some people keep a journal. Uh, I just, sometimes I write things down on my phone when I think of it, and then I'll read it later. and I won't know what the heck I was, (laughs) (laughs) what that code means, but. So probably wasn't that important, but yeah, I, try to be a little bit more detailed. Yeah. Try to be a little more detailed, but yeah, I think, I mean, the ideas are everywhere and I, I mean, I have a lot of ideas. It just takes a long time to write a book. Short stories are good for that. Just get it out. Yeah. I think that's also great practice and also a way you can find out if the story has more or doesn't like a lot of people get an idea and they'll think it's going to be a novel and maybe there just isn't enough there. Right. So starting as a short story, you'll know, okay, wait a minute. This is not a short story anymore. It's a novella. And then you like say, well, it's actually more than that. But starting small is actually a great way of practicing and just, and determining whether that's going to be a novel or not. Right. I mean, I think like you could take any idea like a, uh, write a write a short story about a, a haunted toy that's certainly been done but it's it can be cool to stretch your imagination and see how can i explore this in a different way that isn't the while still using like some elements of like chucky or like chucky took a lot from trilogy of terror yeah and there's something really scary about some little thing like like running across <laughs> So when the I, floor, like try to like tap into the things that make it scary and then but put yeah. your own spin on it. When I was talking to Grady Hendrix about the new book he has, it's How to Sell a Haunted House. Yeah. His stuff, that's what, exactly what he's doing is dolls. Mm. And he does a really great job of like very subtle realizing like, all right, the doll's here and then they come back and it's not there or it's some something's different about it. Like very subtle things. I haven't read that one yet. Uh, it's good. And, but he, the different thing I thought he did that was really funny was there's some taxidermy mm. uh, things that come to life, oh. which is really creepy. Well, t- you, you know, know, like you, squirrels or something, you know? Yeah, taxidermy, like the whole psycho thing. Taxidermy. Well, I brought that up. I was like, you know, we were talking about how just the idea of things that sort of are dead but are created to look like they're alive are just creepy in themselves. Mm-hmm. And that was Norman Bates' kind of hobby. Yeah, that was such there, that was such the clue that we all missed when we watched that movie for the yeah. first time. Yeah. And then the, the interesting thing is the taxidermy were birds, and then there's a shot that Hitchcock does where he's eating the bird – well, the – um the seeds mm. Norman is, but it's done at this angle where it looks like he's like a bird, pe- you know, pecking down and eating the seeds. Yes. I know what you're, I know what shot you're talking about. Yeah. It's so brilliant. It's so brilliant. But yeah, that could be, uh, an idea too is, is like a, uh, you know, do like a base something on psycho, but I don't know, find a way of telling, retelling the story in an interesting way. Like maybe do it from the mother's point of view or something. Mm-hmm. Norman! 
<laughs> I was talking to Chris, and he was like, I got to drive my mom somewhere. I'm like, and he, he always uh, set, calls her Mrs. Bates. Oh. Or Miss, yeah, and I'm like, so he was like saying, I got to take her somewhere. I was like, oh, it's driving Mrs. Bates. Yeah. So almost almost like driving Miss Daisy, but do it like uh, horror. Yeah. Like that, Just uh, that's another thing that people always say, like take two movies and throw them together and see what comes out of that. You know, like, you know, Psycho meets Driving Miss Daisy. Yeah, that's that, that's that's one way of, of doing it. And that that's always they always tell you that's a good way to pitch it. A, a screenplay. Yeah. I mean, if you want to, we should do pitches in uh, another episode. Oh, yeah. But the idea is and I don't know. TV, does TV Guide still exist? You know, it's so weird that you asked that because I was just wondering that myself the other day. I'm really? Like, does TV Guide still exist? I don't know. I mean, I used to see it in the grocery store when you would be right about to buy your stuff, but I don't think I've seen it there. Yeah. I mean, ma the, magazines don't really, they do exist, re but. Magazines are really expensive now, too. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah, they're like $15, $16 or more for a magazine. Oh, yeah, like, anyway. the, like the Rolling Stone special. Oh, that, yeah. Those, that's kind of all they, they do now. But I'm bringing up TV Guy because it used to be. Uh, the way you would know if your pitch works. They always would say, think of the TV guide blurb. Oh, right, and your, sure. your story, your book story should be able to be written in that blurb. And if you can't, you don't know your story enough. I know. And that's that was one of the most frustrating things I ever tried to do. It's so hard it's to really blur. hard. It's very hard to blurb your own. Like I'm, I'm finishing up my novel and I'm more scared about writing the blurb than like, actually right finishing it yeah because it is the first thing people read mm -hmm. and uh you want to make sure it captures everything and so you try to put in more but that doesn't always help it's also a good idea to, to have someone edit your blurb that's true or, or look at it because i don't know about you but i tend to undersell my stuff and because i'm like oh i don't want to sound like this is the greatest thing and uh you know kind of play it down and that's probably not a good idea for selling something yeah it's not i don't think so i don't think dale carnegie uh no would, would recommend that. that so let's end and i want to bring this up because a lot of times and you kind of brought it up now but when you get an idea do you think you should keep it to yourself or tell people about it I have a I have my own theory about it, but I'd love to hear yours. Is anyone interested? That's the question. <laughs> I I would tell like like if I, I I've talked to uh, my husband Joe about it, and, and he'll be like, uh huh, whatever you know, whatever you want to do. <laughs> he's he's actually come to me with some ideas that have been pretty good, and uh, I yeah I have no problem with telling someone about it. I don't feel like anyone's going to steal my idea. No, I, but I, I'm talking about the energy. Oh, the you, energy, yeah. Because to me, I have this great idea. And then when I start telling people, and maybe if they don't react the way I hope they'd react, because in my head, I'm like, oh, I know this is going to work. I know this is good. And then I tell someone, and they're looking at me blankly, like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's, then I lose yeah, that. That's happened to me before. And that's why you don't want to share too prematurely. Right. Sometimes, like, oh, I have this really good idea. But maybe you're just not articulate. You don't have your pitch down. Right. And then someone's like, huh? No, I don't really get that. But then 
you do it and it's like, or else you say, oh yeah, maybe they're right. And then someone else does it and they're like, oh, I thought this really great idea, this really great movie. And they're like, that was my idea. Yeah. Ideas do float around the ether. Yeah. There's, um, Elizabeth Gilbert wrote a book called Big Magic and she talks about that ideas. She, she talks about them as being like a living thing that is searching to basically become something, mm. you know, to be brought into the world. And if you, if it pesters you and you don't do anything about it, it's moving on. I, I definitely believe that. And when I did my, my film, The Weirdness, which is kind of unfinished, I've seen so many, and I'm not saying they stole from me, but I've seen so many other films that are so much like my film, like Stranger Things. It, it almost had an exact scene with the, the freight elevator that I mm -hmm. used, like some of the image, imagery was so, so, so similar to my, my idea. And there was another, I was watching another film. I forget what it was uh, that was on in the same vein. And, and then a, 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 a movie, I mean, a, a TV series that I absolutely loved was dark, that German, um, yes. that was so good. And there was a lot, and, it, and that was brilliant. They did that brilliantly, but there were a lot of things in that that were like, Oh, that's kind of like what I was doing with my thing, but it wasn't quite, you know, I didn't have it quite on that level. and. So I, I think that's very interesting how how uh, ideas are formed. So I would say if you if you share your idea with a friend, first of all, be be careful who you share with because there are the Debbie Downers out there who are like mm -hmm. eh, I don't like that idea. You know, share with um, someone who's who generally positive about these things, but you may be ahead of the curve and they might not get your idea because you you know it needs to be done. So. You don't always want to be chasing an idea that, that that's what's great about doing something. You can uh, tap into something much more original. So never hold back just because, well, that's not popular, right? And like uh, haunted house stories aren't popular. It's been done. No, it can always be reinvented. And, you know, especially if you have a following, mm -hmm. you know, that was... Grady Hendrix has a following. He did a haunted house story, but he did it differently. Like he didn't do it like ghosts like you would think mm -hmm. and you he reads uh, like all that stuff the paperbacks from hell you know like so yeah. like he he does all his research and knows what's yeah he knows so the genre the he knows the genre really well and he knows what's been done to death and he knew how to do something that was different so that's what I'm, if you read a lot you're you're gonna know what's been done and how you could do it differently yeah yeah it's uh I don't know. It's, it's, you got me thinking a lot about different ideas. I think it's fun. It's fun to play with ideas. And it's also fun to, to challenge yourself to write something against type or, or you know, like, like it would be challenging for me to do like research and write something that, that was like, if I, you know, like sometimes you, you attend, not that I attended too many, but like writers workshops and you pick out a, something from the hat, you have this idea and you've got to marry it with this idea, like, right. Write a murder mystery about a football team. That would be very challenging for me because I know nothing about football. But then it kind of gets me thinking, how would I approach something that I don't know a lot about? And, you know, I would find something about it that maybe I would find interesting, if that makes sense. Yeah, but it also might be beneficial that you don't know football because somebody who does might put in so much stuff that really doesn't matter because they're mm -hmm. like, oh, I, I want to make sure everybody knows I know football. Yeah. You know? Like you want to pepper it in there so it it 
gives you the flavor of football, but you don't want just like this complete, you know, guide to football. That's not why I'm reading this. I'm reading this for the mystery. Right, right. You know, so I don't think people should fear going after something that they don't know completely. Yeah. You can learn it as much as you want, but you don't need to put all that in there. It just helps you be a little bit more realistic when it comes down to it. Yeah, and and get someone who really knows football to read it and fix all your <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> also true. Mistakes. Yeah, I, I think I agree. I think ideas are are just so much fun, and when but it can be uh, overwhelming, like mentally for me, because I I get obsessed with an idea to the point where like I I'm always thinking about it. But that's good. It is, but it also, like, makes me not do – I've been good, though, recently. But, like, you know, I'll forget to put the trash out or something. Oh, like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, yeah. my life <laughs> goes all sideways because I'm thinking too much about a story or a video I'm going to shoot, you know? Yes, I um, do that all the time. But, you know, when as far as writing it, you have to be obsessed with it to, to actually get the job done on, on some yeah. level. So all right. it's got to really turn you on like enough to explore it and, and be interested. And I think that also comes from the characters. Like, if you're yes. interested in the characters and always find that, that conflict, which is why Absolutely. families are always great to write about because there's always conflicts in families. Exactly. If you have your own way of finding an idea let us know. You can go to the Bookworms Instagram and let us know. Do we want to say anything about the horror issue? So we, that should the, be coming the out. The Halloween issue? Yeah, the ho horror issue. Duh. The <laughs> Halloween issue, yes. Okay, yes. Um, that is coming out in uh, early October. Mm -hmm. Hopefully the first week of October. That's the plan. And it's going to have all kinds of Halloween flavor and fun with stories and essays and artwork and cool things like that. Yeah. And if you haven't picked up issue one and two, you can go to the Etsy link in the show notes. We only have a few up. left for, number, for the first issue. Yeah. The first issue is literally almost sold out. Yep. So better hurry up and hurry pick up. that up. All right. Until next week. Uh, have a good week. You Regina. too. Have a great week. A very productive. And come up with some good ideas. And if you want to share them with me, I'll always be positive. All right. Okay. You too. All right. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Bookworms Horror Podcast. All our links are in the show notes. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Bookworms is a Gorilla Delphia production. Yeah!